0: I'm Ed Adams, and this is the Weekly Genealogy Toolkit, the podcast that helps you, the beginning genealogist, avoid the mistakes that honestly most of us have made when we were getting started. I want to help point out helpful resources, productive workflows, and processes, and hopefully get you excited to stop listening and start researching. So here we are. It's January of 2024, fresh off Christmas, and I'm going to guess that if you're here, you probably got a DNA test kit or a gift subscription to Ancestry.com or my heritage or something like that. Maybe you're excited to find out what your ethnic makeup is, or you're finally ready to figure out if Uncle Tom's stories about your Cherokee great-grandmother are true. Look, however you got here, thanks for checking in, and I hope I can help you accomplish whatever your goals are as you're just starting out. Genealogy is an extremely rewarding hobby. When you start out, you think you're going to learn about your ancestors, and you are, but you're also going to be learning about yourself. And if you're like me, you're going to connect more deeply and meaningfully with your own identity. You may find a sense of belonging and community. And sure, you're going to probably find an interesting story or two while you're at it. But genealogy is also fundamentally historic research. Which can be frustrating, challenging, and downright hard. If, like me, when you get started, you find yourself drawn into uncovering each generation that came before you, you'll eventually find that you need to learn how to do more than just put a name in a text box and click the search button. When I first started exploring formal education on how to do genealogy the, air quote, right way, at first it seemed a bit contrived. Like, people were making this harder than it really needed to be. Over time, I've slowly come to the conclusion that it's really all designed to help you save time and avoid errors. But before you get there, I do think you need to get some miles under your belt. My goal is to help you through that early stage of learning where we can keep it fun and exciting but also avoid some of the more discouraging setbacks that can lead you to quitting the search. Sometimes the episodes are going to be mostly about concepts or ideas, the theory of doing genealogy, if you want to put it that way. Sometimes I'll share great websites to branch out to once you've gotten comfortable with whatever main genealogy site you use. And sometimes we'll go over short case studies as a means of showing you how to avoid making mistakes that can frustrate you and waste your time. Today, for the first episode... I want to talk about starting with what you know. It's really tempting to dive straight into finding the answers to your questions, but in an oddly counterintuitive way, that's not the most efficient way to get to those answers. Starting with what you know gives you an anchor of truth that keeps you from drifting away into the land of lies and legend. So what do I mean by starting with what you know? I mean start with your immediate family. That's going to be a challenge if you're adopted, and your goals in genealogy are to discover your biological family, and if that's you, please bear with me, we'll go over adoption research in a future episode. But, assuming that you have access to your immediate family, start there. You may think that sounds strange, since you know them already. But here's the thing, I bet you don't know them near as well as you think. You know their personality, their their character, but you probably couldn't write their biography without sitting down and talking to them so that's what you really should start with. Get to know the stories of your parents and, if available, your grandparents. When I first got started, I was most interested in finding Civil War and Revolutionary veterans in my family, so I rushed straight back. I made lots of mistakes and found several veterans, but they turned out not to be mine, or at least not directly. When I tracked my way back and started by talking to my dad, I was shocked at just how much of his life I knew nothing about. I knew that he lived in different places growing up, but I didn't have a good sense of when he lived where, and I didn't even know where he was born. I know what you're probably thinking, though. How does learning more about my dad teach me anything about my great-grandmother, the Cherokee? It's a good question, and the answer is that doing genealogy is a little bit like climbing a ladder. Sure, you can skip a step, but you're drastically increasing the likelihood of your slipping and hurting yourself. Starting with your immediate family helps give you a basis of truth. That provides you the context by which you're going to evaluate everything you learn about the previous generation the root of the problem is really this there's sadly more than one john smith in this world just because you found a john smith in the town you were expecting to find him in and he looks about the right age and he's married to a woman with a very similar name to the one you'd expect doesn't make him your ancestor imagine i'm looking for my grandfather the dreaded john smith I know he was born in 1903 and lived near Wichita, Kansas. He married my grandmother Ethel in 1928 and was a farmer. As I'm looking through the 1940 census for the area, I find a 36-year-old John Smith, married to a woman named Esther, and he's listed as a farmer. The age isn't exactly right, but I don't know when in 1903 he was born, so it might be him. Esther and Ethel are easily confused names, and you'll find quickly that just because documents are period doesn't mean that the information on them is always exactly right. So I think that's my guy, and I link the source to John Smith on my tree and go about my day. If I had spent some time talking to my dad and realized that his older brother Frank, who died before I was born, was born in 1938, I'd have a little more doubt about that John Smith I found. Frank should be there with them in the census. This example is pretty obvious, but hopefully you see that by starting with more and more reliable information, the search gets easier. So, I like to say, it's about researching wide before researching deep. When you talk to your family, if they're comfortable with it, I'd recommend recording the conversations. This can make people uneasy and can shorten the conversation, so you be the judge of whether or not to record. but. I often kick myself for not recording my conversations with my wife's grandmother. She was so happy to talk about her family, and she had so many great stories that have really helped me with my research over the years, but I don't remember all the details, and sadly, she's gone now. I've had several occasions where small details from a humorous story ended up giving me the information that I needed to validate a source. If I'd never had those conversations with her, we wouldn't know nearly as much as we do about my wife's family, and If I'd recorded them, we'd probably know more. A good tip for recording is simply to turn on your cell phone's recording software and put the phone down. Everyone knows it's recording, and things might be a bit cold and robotic at first. But if you can keep the conversation going and focus less on birth-marriage-death kind of stuff and more on the stories they want to tell, eventually people forget about the phone on the table and you have a great conversation. You learn a lot, and you can keep it forever. So I hope you give it a shot next time you're home with family or have them visiting, strike up a conversation about what their neighborhood was like when they were kids. Sit back and listen to the stories of the baseball games and the backyard cops and robbers and smile as the names start flowing. I think time spent talking with family is always time well spent, and you'll probably find that all that you discover about your immediate family ends up being the deep and strong roots that any good family tree needs. Thanks for listening, and